to Burlington Humane, the podcast of the Burlington Humane Society, Ontario's premier no-kill shelter. Bye, society. Bye, society. Burlington Humane is my society. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Burlington Humane, the podcast of the Burlington Humane Society. My name is Doug, and I'm coming to you from beautiful Burlington, Ontario, Canada. On this episode of Burlington Humane, we're going to talk with Dr. Chung Yi Mack of Mack Animal Clinic, who will talk about the adaptations pet owners have had to make due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And we'll learn about a mobile vet organization that focuses on end-of-life home visits with Dr. Faith Banks. So stay with us for this and much more on Burlington Humane. been a lot of changes that we have had to make due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This is also true with pet owners. I talked with Dr. Chung Yin Mack of Mac Animal Clinic to find out just how adaptable pet owners have had to become because of the pandemic. I'm here with Dr. Chung Ying Mack of Mack Animal Clinic. Welcome, Dr. Mack, to Burlington Humane. Thank you for having me, Doug. Wonderful. Now, we've gone through a really difficult period with the pandemic. How has that changed the way you, as a veterinarian, work? So, you might have noticed that with the pandemic, a lot of people have gotten pets. Um, so I don't know whether you're seeing an increase in adoptions at the Burlington Humane Society. They're pretty much they're, they're steady, but one of the things that we found interesting, we were one of the few shelters that kept their adoption program open. A lot of the shelters closed their adoption program altogether. Oh, wow. But we kept ours open, so ours was about the same as the it previous year. About. So we've been really lucky in that way. So yeah. what we found is a lot, there has been a significant increase in pet ownership during the pandemic. So a lot of mm -hmm. people, because they're at home, they think this is a great time for me to raise a puppy because I'm uh -huh. at home all the time. Yeah. Now things have changed a little bit right now because we can kind of start seeing people again, but the, earlier there were people getting puppies and these puppies can't go and meet other puppies and other humans like normal. Oh, that's right, because training facilities aren't open to bring people together, so the puppies can't get together. Yeah, yeah so training facilities yeah. were closed. You know, it's harder to go to the dog park, and it's hard to even go visit your friend and bring your puppy. That's right, yeah. Yeah, hmm. so what we were finding is, so one of the big things that's changed just from a pet owner perspective is really trying to find the, t the ways to socialize your pet. So you almost mm. have to create the situation where your puppy gets to meet new people. The uh, same uh, with you're always at home. Yeah. Well, we're not always gonna be at home all the time forever, so. That's right, and even when you take your dog 
for a walk, we make a big circle around anybody that's coming towards us. And Absolutely. if they've got a dog, we go to the other side of the street. And so they don't, they don't get to meet other people. They don't get to meet other dogs. Yeah, I never thought of that. So socialization. Socialization is, is a challenge. And it's something that, you know, before as a pet owner, you never really had to work on. But now yeah. it's something that you physically need to build into a schedule because our lives have changed so much. Mm -hmm. And ah. so the other part of it is naturally at some point you would get a puppy and it would be left alone because you could go places. Yeah. Same even with cats now as well. You know, everyone jokes like cats don't like it when you're home all the time, but there are cats that like it when their owners are home. And so when you first get your pet, you almost have to teach them this is how you're going to be alone, which can be hard if you have a one bedroom apartment. Oh, that's right. How, if you're working from home, how do you teach your puppy you're going to be alone sometimes mm -hmm. when you're all sharing, you know, thousand square feet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, right. yeah. that's the other thing is really almost trying to create situations where you teach your pet to be independent and alone and that it's okay and that you're coming home. So you've really got to prepare your pet. For yeah. that, if you've been home a lot and suddenly you're going back to work, you've got to prepare your pet for that rather than just leaving and saying, oh, they'll deal with it. Yeah, you, there, separation anxiety is a, you know, there's almost three main, three or four main things you teach your puppy when you get it. Where to go to the bathroom, yeah. what to chew and what not to chew, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how to be okay being left alone. And that's a big one. That that's is a, a big, big one. one because uh, I, uh, isolation anxiety or separation, separation anxiety. anxiety is that's debilitating to some dogs. It's it is absolutely debilitating to many dogs. And if you they're not prepared, they think for the past year, mom and dad have been home all the time. What do you mean I have to self entertain? Oh, and then behaviors develop. And, and oh yes causes havoc when you get home <laughs> so that you know there's you know training a pet during the pandemic is eat some a lot of people look at it as this is the best time because i'm home but you also need to think about okay but what's changed that i will need to give my dog the life skills to make it happy long term and do you have to deal with that as a veterinarian do you get a lot of calls from your clients saying my dog is suffering from separation anxiety and and what can we do about it? Yep. So if, oh. when we meet new puppy owners, you know, our, we spend a lot of time with new puppy owners, making sure that they understand, okay, these are all of the different considerations. Yeah. Um, and then you get the other people as well that they'll call and they'll say, oh, my puppy or my dog has separation anxiety. Is there a medication I can give it? And, you know, the same with you, if you're feeling sad, anti-anxiety medication isn't going to make you happy that's right it's yeah yeah changing what you do changing how you look at things so we very rarely will send home like anti-anxiety medication for long-term purposes mm -hmm. we're very yeah. big on discussing yes calming pheromones calming supplements but really big focus on behavior training interesting Ah, and do you do the behavior training yourself or do you recommend certain trainers who focus on that? So we will, I can give basic 
like um, like I can work on basic behavioral advice. Unfortunately, just from the sake of time, this behavior yeah. is something that people, they'll, you know, a dog trainer really, if your dog has that bad separation anxiety, mm -hmm. they'll need to come to your house, yeah. right? Yeah. They'll, they need to come to your house. They need to see what's going on. So that sometimes we will recommend specific trainers and we'll also recommend trainers that use specific methods as well. Sure. So we're certainly moving away from the negative reinforcement. Yeah. Yeah. But really promoting, you know, we positively reinforcing the things that we like our dogs to do. So for example, if your dog's lying down calmly, I always tell clients, walk over, just put a treat down and walk away and don't talk to your dog because your dogs now learn, I was just lying here and a treat magically fell from the sky. <laughs> oh, this is what they want me to do. And they'll learn, you know, screaming at the window is not gonna make someone come home, <laughs> but lying on the floor means something good yeah. can happen. And it's, you know, dogs are very adaptable. It's just knowing how to reinforce that. So we have a few trainers we recommend, a few YouTube channels we recommend. Okay, good. Um, and, and that's time well spent, isn't it? Absolutely. If yeah. you invest in your pet, you know, it's especially if you have one from a puppy, obviously you, if you really put the work in when they're a year old, really being consistent, really setting those boundaries, then you'll that you're putting that groundwork down for the next 12 to 15 years. Now, if people have gotten a pet during the pandemic and they've missed that 12 month, 18 month period when the, when the, their pet is a puppy, is it too late to start training them? So it's never too late. Never. Well, that's good. Right. So, you know, you just like you work with dogs who have your, you give a lot of dogs second chances yeah. and they're just dogs that will need, some dogs do need more assistance. And that's the really big emphasis on if you're noticing behaviors you're worried about, don't just think they'll grow out of it. They'll get better. There are, you know, behavior is one of those things that it's normally more likely to get worse mm -hmm. if not addressed from the beginning. Good. So you never give up. Never give up. An animal is never a lost cause. No. And they most of them, they just want to please you. It's just making, yeah. you know, it is an investment. It is work, but they're always worth the effort. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Are there other things that have, that have changed because of the pandemic? So the big thing that's changed in the pandemic, and now I'm going to focus more on to the veterinary industry, yeah. is, you know, it's one of those things that a lot of people are used to. I'll call my vet, you know, my dog has been unwell you know, it's it's been a little off for a little while. I'll call and many people think they can you're used to getting in tomorrow or the next day. And oh. that has changed because there's only so many veterinarians, but there's a lot more pets and we are seeing longer wait times. Wow. So that is because our industry is very overwhelmed currently. We have if you think about it, there are some, you know, schools were closed. So at some point, parents needed to be home with their kids. Mm -hmm. So there were some people leaving the workforce. There were a lot of people as well that like we couldn't have as many people in the clinic because of social distancing. Mm -hmm. So that again, decreased the number of people available to help. Normally when people come to the clinic, they're coming in with their pet, they're holding their pet. So it would be the oh, doctor 
and one's and the owner whereas now because to again the veterinary setting is quite high risk for covid transmission because we're in a small room together oh, yeah. you can't restrain an animal without getting up and close to yeah. the other person so for that reason we can't let people come in and what that means is that you know natalie or your technician or clinical assistant now can't work in the back they now have to come and they have to hold the animal too so mm -hmm. we're now need we need more staff power than we did oh, before right yeah right and then the other thing is people are home with their pets more before maybe you wouldn't really have noticed if fluffy isn't drinking as much or if the fluffy has, needs to go to the bathroom more often you may or may not notice those things mm -hmm. but now you're at home you notice it and you notice it much sooner and you're there looking at your pet all day yeah so you, yeah so you notice these things sooner yeah yeah which is great that we're noticing illness quicker but all of these things have compounded to result in you know your normal veterinarian <clears throat> can't get you in as soon because we're trying to kind of you know we what we call triage so we'll triage a situation and say okay we have so and so's really unwell we need to see them immediately mm -hmm. but for the routine things or the scheduled things we are booking a little farther out now because we need to make room for those emergencies yeah. and the urgent care appointments makes sense definitely and so people just need to be patient People need to yeah. be patient and then and sometimes they need to plan ahead as well. So if, mm -hmm. you know, one big thing is everyone's getting a puppy and there's that 72 hour breeder check. Okay, well, if you're leaving the breeder and you call us, we, we may not be able to get you in in 72 hours. So if you know you're getting a puppy, make sure or you know you're getting a new pet, you kind of almost now need to plan for veterinary care. There are some clinics that are no longer accepting new clients. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? So mm -hmm. you need to think, okay, I want to get this pet, but who is going to care for it? The same way you need to plan a family doctor. So Isn't that interesting? really doing your research okay. and planning ahead as well. Good. All right. So you have to plan. You have to be patient. Yeah. And just be, you know, be patient and be understanding. You know, everybody's had yeah. to adapt during the pandemic and... You know, this is also one of those situations where really trusting who is taking care of your pet is, a, is something you really notice at this point because it's quite emotional. You know, your pet is your baby and That's you're right. sending them into a, yep. the building and, you know, we always call our clients, but you're still not there with them. Yep. So it is different, you know, like Doug and I have discussed, I'm a pet mom as well. And it is stressful to have to leave your pet and not be there with mm -hmm. them. So this is when having that relationship with your vet and all your all the staff members is very comforting. And we're noticing it. Some, you know, we always ask our clients, what does Fluffy like to eat? Can you bring something that Fluffy really likes? And that's where the fear free also comes in okay, good. because we'll really try and make sure we have whatever treats Fluffy likes or whatever they would normally feel comforted by, we try and make sure is available to them. So you're doing as much as you can. So as, as a, a pet owner, I need to be understanding when I realize that, oh, everybody's had to adapt, including veterinary clinics. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Dr. Mack, for joining us here on Burlington Humane. Very interesting and really good information. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. She's there for you when work is stressful. She's there for you when life is hard. She's there for you when you need a friend. Be there for her. Register for Pet First Aid today. The next course is November 14th here at Burlington Humane. It is a very heartbreaking time when a treasured family pet reaches their end of life. As caring pet owners, we want to make our pets passing as comfortable as possible. I talked with Dr. Faith Banks of Midtown Mobile Veterinary Hospice Services. Her team will come to your home to ensure that your pet can be in a familiar surroundings in the presence of those who love them during this very difficult time. Dr. Banks explains more about this very valuable service. I'm here with Dr. Faith Banks. Welcome, Dr. Banks, for here Thank at you. Burlington Humane. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Now, you're a mobile vet. That's interesting. Tell us what that's about. Sure. Um, well, I've been a vet for over 25 years. Um, and I started out, uh, when I graduated, I started out working in regular practice. And then after about 16 years in practice, I decided to change my focus as I became more and more interested in geriatric care and end-of-life care. And I started a mobile service. So we go into people's homes. At, at that time, it was just me. I started a service where I would go into people's homes. And most of what I did and what we continue to do now is in-home euthanasia. Okay. So being a mobile vet, it's kind of like when doctors used to make house calls. That's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> That's exactly what we're doing. And we're trying to make the, the last time that people have with their pets, um, we're trying to make that um, time as peaceful and not having any stress there for the pet and just to create a beautiful time for them to be able to say goodbye in the comfort and privacy of their home. Yeah. And that's a very sacred time, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. Because most pet owners at some point will have to say goodbye to their pet. And it, as you say, it just has to be a real meaningful place. And if you have to take them to the vet, well, that we know how stressful that can be. 
on a pet, especially these days when you, now because of COVID, you have to hand your pet over to the veterinary technician and they take them into the vet and you sit in the car and oh yeah. my goodness, I can't even imagine it. Yeah, it's really, you know, it's the last time that people have with their pets and to not be able to be there um, for, for someone who um, feels very strongly about being there for their pet, or even, you know, especially now during COVID, often clinics aren't letting whole families in to say goodbye. And, you know, I know with my whole family, they they would all want to be there if we said goodbye to our pet. And so um, we are thankfully still able to provide the service and have full families present. You know, we take safety precautions and everybody is wearing a mask and we are um, doing COVID screening before. And so, uh, you know, I'm very grateful that we're able to still provide this service and it's a tough one. Now, is there any preparation that the family needs to do for you to come and and visit? If I have a pet and I know that it's time to let them go and I want to call you and bring you in, do I have to do anything special for the pet? Because at some point there's going to be some sort of a medical intervention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we have, um, we have an amazing hospice care coordinators. We have a team of care coordinators. So you would first speak to them and, you know, they would explain the whole process. There are times that we'll have the medical records, or we might speak to the veterinarian, or sometimes actually most of the time people find us because their regular vet has said, think you should call these people. (laughs) And so, so most of our referrals are actually coming from the regular veterinarian of the the family. And so um, they've, they've been prepared for what is going to happen, but we'll prepare them even more to, to let them understand, you know, what the euthanasia experience looks like. And then when one of our veterinarians goes to their home as well, they're spend a significant amount of time with them, just making sure they understand what is going to happen and, and what to expect and what it's going to look like. And then we, we handle everything after as well. Well, you're getting ready. The, is the owner in the room or do you ask them to leave or? No, no. You know, one of the beautiful things about our service is that the owner does not need to leave their pet for a moment. And, you know, I, I say this to people all the time, like I've walked into to houses and the one of the family members is sitting there with their pet on their couch, you know, with their cat on their lap, for example. Mm-hmm. And that cat never needs to leave their lap until the time that either we are ready to leave and take their pet their pet's body with us, or if they keep the pet for burial, then, you know, they, they can keep their pet at home. But, you know, quite often, as you know, when you go into the clinic, they take them to the back. Um, And I understand why that all needs to happen in that clinic setting, but, but certainly in the home setting, that pet never leaves the site or sometimes the arms of their owner, which is really you know, very special. And as it should be, we don't want to break that bond um, at all. Wow, I can really see how that that it turns into a really beautiful moment. It it really is. And I I know when we speak to people sometimes, especially when they talk about their children and just being really worried about how their kids are going to be with the whole process. I think in a lot of people's minds, it's going to be a lot scarier than it actually is. It's certainly very sad that, that I can't change, but it's, it's not a scary process. And and we do, you know, I strive to make it a a meaningful and beautiful time um, to be able to say goodbye. And so we, we are able to do that. That's great. Wow. And do you find that when there are children involved, do they have a lot of questions about what's going on or what's happening or why it has to happen or things like that? 
Sometimes. I mean, often um, people will call us beforehand and ask us if we have suggestions on how to talk to children about this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're all very comfortable in answering those questions, whether it's prior to when they're speaking to our hospice care coordinators or at the time of the, the euthanasia. And we try and incorporate and sort of, you know, invite the children to be present and, and let them know they can ask any questions. And I recommend that people answer honestly. I don't, we don't like to say things like, oh, she's just going to sleep or that sort of thing. Or, you know, we, we want them to understand what's happening. Um, often it's their first experience with loss. And so I think it's a really important opportunity for parents to have to show things how they are and, and to, to let kids know it's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. And, you know, it sort of helps prepare them for unfortunate future losses that they, they will have in their life. Yeah. I guess it's the teachable moment for mm-hmm. sure. Yes. Definitely the ultimate teachable moment. And I right. guess it does help with the grieving process as well. When you actually, when there's closure, Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as, as sad as it is, and unfortunately I was just through the loss of one of my, my own pets this summer in July, she died suddenly by having children present, they see with their own eyes, what is happening and they can understand it. You know, if they've never been through the loss of a pet or a loved one before, it's really, it's hard to wrap your head around what Mm -hmm. is, what happens and what do they look like? And, um, you know, where do they go? And so to be able to answer those questions openly and honestly in the sort of the, the safe space of your home is, is really quite valuable. And the whole topic of death, well, death is, it's so mysterious anyways. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. When, and when nobody wants, yeah, nobody wants to talk about death. No. <laughs> you know, I, I get that, but, but we need to. And by making it something, you know, safe to talk about by, by not, by sort of taking away the scariness of it and just, you know, have an understanding of what it is and what it means. I I think we can help a lot of people in their life, you know, of all ages going forward. So they just feel more comfortable with it. And again, I'm not saying like, I, I, I talk about it, you know, in some ways a little casually and the, the sadness is there. And I don't mean to make it such a simple thing to discuss because it is, it is heartbreaking for, you know, our families that are losing pets. But, but I do think that being able to, to talk about it certainly eases some of the the grieving that people have, have, and and will do. Yeah. And I guess to, for the pet as well, to have their owner right there, how comforting is that? I know here at Burlington Humane, we're very fortunate. We haven't had very many animals that have had to be euthanized, but when they do, we make sure that one of our volunteers or one of our staff persons goes to the clinic to Mm -hmm. be with that animal when they are euthanized so that they're not there alone. Right. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're part of, you know, they're part of our family. There are children. I have people that refer to themselves as mommy and daddy and their, their dog is their son. Um, I I get that. And, you know, we understand how strong these bonds are and, and it goes both ways. So as strongly as we feel bonded to our pets, you know, they, they in turn feel that, that we are part of their family or their pack or however you want to think about it. And so I, I don't think that they want to be alone at that time. And so it's, it's very special to mm-hmm. be able to, to, to comfort and to, to cradle, 
you know, that pet as, as they're, they're leaving. And you mentioned that you get a lot of, a lot of veterinarians will refer their patients to you. Mm -hmm. And if people want to get a hold of you directly, how would they be able to do that? Um, so the best way to reach out to us, so we are now a team of 19 women at Midtown Mobile 19. Veterinary. Yeah, yeah. And you're a mobile vet unit. Yes. So, so off, yeah, we all have cars. So there are nine uh, women veterinarians and the rest are the hospice care coordinators and, and support. Um, and so if anybody wants to reach us, um, they can find us either online at mmvhs.ca which stands for Midtown Mobile Veterinary Hospice Services, or they can call us 416-817-3572. And you say you work with a lot of the hospice workers. What's their role in the process? So our hospice care coordinators, they're a team, so everybody works remotely, and they are sort of the frontline people that when families or pet parents are calling to get information, whether they've been told by their regular vet to reach out to us to, you know, make a connection, or they, they could see that their own pets were declining. And, you know, they just wanted to start sort of getting educated about what happens at the end and how do I prepare and how do I make this sort of as stress-free and peaceful for everybody, then they would reach out to our hospice care coordinators who would spend the time with them on the phone, just answering any and all questions. You know, for many people, they've never been down this road before. They've never lost a pet, or if they did, they were a kid. And now they're the grown-ups, and, you know, they're the, the pet parent and they're now making these decisions. And so they want to be educated and they want to understand what happens and how do we make these decisions? And, and it used to be, we said, you know, go home and you'll know when it's time. And now we have better answers for that. So mm -hmm. our, our care coordinators are the ones that really answer all of their questions. And if they need more, you know, whether it's medical um, advice or they want a consultation, then we can have them do a telemedicine appointment with a veterinarian, or if they know it's time, then an appointment for the actual euthanasia. All right. And how far reaching do you go? We are throughout the whole GTA. Which is the greater Toronto area. The greater well, Toronto area. Now we're in Burlington. We have a brand new vet. Uh, well, she's been a vet for a while, but she just joined our team and she is incredible. And she lives in Burlington. So oh, she is okay. servicing Burlington. Excellent. And so, um, yeah, so she has just recently joined our team and she will be servicing the Burlington area. That's wonderful. Oh, very good. Such an important service. Such mm -hmm. an, and it's one that I haven't heard of before. Is it new? Well, no. Um, so again, <laughs> yeah, you know what? So my, again, I've been doing this for 10 years. And unfortunately, I still have people who constantly say, I haven't heard of your service before. Yeah. And I think, well, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think that, you know, again, it goes back to the whole death and dying part. It's not a popular topic of conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think even sometimes when people do um, euthanize their pet, they don't necessarily advertise that they euthanize their pet. They'll just say that their pet passed away. And so it, it's, it's just not a I guess it's not a popular topic, yeah. which is unfortunate because, you know, 
every pet is sadly going to pass. And whether it's through natural death or euthanasia, it's going to affect everybody. And so, you know, I I only think that it is helpful for people to have an understanding of what is going to happen. I I don't think they have to start thinking about it when they have a two-year-old or three-year-old or four-year-old dog, but certainly, you know, when their, their dog or cat or pocket pet uh, exotic pet um, reaches, you know, their senior years, then I think it's something you have to just start thinking about a little bit. Yeah. And I, and I haven't heard this, you know, your services a lot. I haven't really even heard of mobile vets a lot. You know, we've always told, oh, you have to go to the clinic. The the veterinarian doesn't come to you anymore. Right. You. Right. Yeah. There, there are, there are other mobile vets um, that do sort of general um, veterinary medicine. If you wanted vaccines done, if you needed a nail trim, if um, you know, itchy dog type of thing that there, there certainly are mobile vets out there, but with my practice, we focus solely on geriatrics and end of life. So that is all we do. That is our, that is our prime focus and specialty. Yeah. And one that's so needed. Good. Well, I hope that we can inform more people about your services so that they can take advantage of that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Banks, for your time and joining us here at Burlington Humane. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Are you looking for good quality items at an affordable cost? Do you want to purchase to make a difference? Then come to The Loft and the Attic, Burlington Humane Society Secondhand Stores. We offer gentle use items at unbelievable prices and 100% of the proceeds goes to helping the animals at the Burlington Humane Society. The Loft is located at the Burlington Humane Society at 740 Griffith Court and the Attic is located right downtown at 479 John Street. And if you have gentle use items that you would like to donate, we take glass, china, clothes, books, and many other items. Our secondhand stores are run completely by volunteers, which may be another way that you can help. For complete information about The Loft in the Attic, visit our website at www.burlingtonhumane.ca. Come visit us at the Loft and Attic to purchase your secondhand items and make a difference to the animals at Burlington Humane. And now it's time for news and events. In response to the COVID-19 advisories, we have restricted our access to Burlington Humane by the general public. Guests are no longer able to drop into Burlington Humane unannounced. Access to our shelter is now by appointment only. 
We are trying to limit access to keep everyone safe. Are you prepared to help your pet in the event of an accident? What will you do until you can get them to the veterinarians? Burlington Humane is proud to offer Walks and Wags Pet First Aid course. Walks and Wags Pet First Aid are national leaders in pet first aid and have the longest standing pet first aid course in Canada. It has earned the stamp of approval from Animal Wellness, North America's top animal wellness magazine. This hands-on live practical gives you the skills and confidence to deal with illness and emergencies. The 10-hour course deals with how to prevent injuries, early signs of illness and poisoning, bandaging and splinting techniques, emergency medical conditions, choking, artificial respiration and CPR, and much, much more. Upon su successful completion, you'll receive a certificate valid for three years. The next course is online on November 14th. Go to our website at www.burlingtonhumane.ca for more information. Pet First Aid. These are challenging times for Canadian charities, including Burlington Humane Society. As you can imagine, we have been hit hard during this crisis. We rely completely on donations, but unfortunately they have been down the last few months. We have also had to cancel all of our fundraising events due to the crown and physical distancing restrictions. If you are able to make a financial donation, it would be greatly appreciated. Any and all donations are a big help and will ensure that we continue support and operation of Burlington Humane. Burlington Humane Kids Club is back in virtual format. Children between the ages of 8 and 12 will learn about cats and dogs and how to take care of them. Plus, we will have guest speakers from the animal welfare field. Go to our website to register. BurlingtonHumane.ca and join Burlington Humane Kids Club. Be a part of On The Move, our virtual fitness event. You can get fit and raise money for our animals at the same time. Go to our website to find out how you can get involved and get On The Move. We have changed the way we are doing things at Burlington Humane. We have reduced our hours at Burlington Humane. Our hours are now Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Be sure to stay informed about all the animals that are available for adoption. We are currently featuring daily videos of our available animals. We're also doing virtual room tours of our animal rooms. Be sure to subscribe to our social media pages to watch these videos. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Videos of our animals can also be found on our website at www.burlingtonhumane.ca. Stay informed and up to date with Burlington Humane. The City of Burlington has a mandatory indoor mask requirement. And as such, all of our volunteers, staff and guests must wear masks at all time while visiting Burlington Humane. All guests are required to bring their own mask. However, we do have reusable masks on hand, which we ask our guests to return at the end of each visit. We also have face shields for those guests who are not able to wear a mask for medical reasons. 
watch for our fall auction beginning Saturday, November 13th. There will be hundreds of items for you to bid on just in time for Christmas. Don't miss out on bargains that can't be beat during our fall auction. Go to our website for more information. To find the latest information about events, ways to make a donation, the animals that are up for adoption, and much more, visit our website at www.burlingtonhumane.ca. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to stay in touch and up to date with Burlington Humane. Santa is back for Santa Pics. Your pet can have their picture taken with Kris Kringle himself. Santa will be at Burlington Humane on Sunday, November 14th, 21st, and 28th. Call Burlington Humane to schedule your appointment. Due to COVID-19 restrictions, only your pet will be able to be in the picture with Santa. Don't miss this year's Santa Pics! Congratulations, Burlington Humane! Congratulations to us, Burlington Humane Podcast! We have been listed in the top 20 best animal welfare podcasts by Feedspot. We're the only Canadian podcast listed that has stories and interviews of general interest to pet owners. We are very proud of our accomplishment and thank all of our listeners and supporters. Please subscribe to Burlington Humane Podcast so more people can learn about the joys of pet ownership and how to provide the best care for their pets. Congratulations, Burlington Humane! Congratulations, Burlington Humane! That's it for this episode of Burlington Humane, the podcast of the Burlington Humane Society. I want to thank our guests, Dr. Chung-Yin Mack of Mack Animal Clinic and Dr. Faith Banks of Midtown Mobile Veterinary Hospice Services. Be sure to subscribe to Burlington Humane on iTunes. We are located at 740 Griffith Court in Burlington, Ontario. You can visit our website at www.burlingtonhumane.ca or give us a call at 905-637-7325 
You can also find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. My name is Doug. We'll see you next time on Burlington Humane. Bye-bye. My society. My society. Burlington Humane is my society.